Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Belinda blinked. And here we have the rankings. Seven, Jim Sterling. As far as American moguls with small appendages, dubious approaches to business and frail masculinity go, Sterling is one of the better ones. Who would have thought on his first rather inauspicious appearance that the Volmaster would become a candidate for Belinda's most compatible sexual partner? She doesn't do boyfriends, or I'd say, love of her life. This Yankee is unquestionably loyal and rampantly horny, although it's concerning that he'd have no qualms about requesting keys to his guests' hotel rooms in the middle of the night. He likes a burr, and he must really be racking up the frequent flyer points, as Jim seems to visit England at the drop of a cowboy hat, somehow arriving in time for the cock meeting which was scheduled with only 6.3 hours' notice. Size doesn't matter, and the podcasters have made clear in later episodes that it was the vole's presentation rather than its dimensions that sent them gagging. But for the sake of Jim's confidence, it's comforting to know that he's now a big boy. His neon blue ejaculation was responsible for perhaps the single most poetic sentence ever written by that literary legend, Rocky Flintstone. Jim was rubbing her just right, and Belinda gave in to nature. Not once, but twice. Before the inevitable blue ejaculation cut across her dreams. Rocky's Comment Jim Sterling is a sterling sort of guy, and the character for whom I've taken the most criticism. And rightly so. As I mentioned in my collab book with the podcast crew called, funnily enough, My Dad Wrote a Porno, available signed by myself through my Etsy store called Rocky's Pavilion, all one word. But yes, 
criticism regarding why I decided to make Jim with his small appendage American, and more than that, a citizen of the state of Texas, where, we are reliably informed on this side of the pond, everything is very large. No kidding. So, in line with my crazy concepts of all things Belinda blinked, it was a no-bummer decision to make Jim a yank. However, I did initially toy all those years ago of making Jim French. It would have kept the maze scene nice and tight with all three gentlemen coming from Europe. But then I thought of my potential marketplace with regard to future book sales, and I realised very few Frenchies speak English. Never mind actually read a book. I also didn't want to cause a diplomatic incident by labelling a successful French industrialist as someone with a small cock. The French can get very touchy about such things, even though they have some of the most beautiful small women in the world. Think Penelope Paulet. So it was decided that I'd let the American Texan take the hit. And I'm glad I did, because he rose manfully to the job and has become a great character in the books. Some of the best incidents in the books involve Jim, and here I'm thinking about Belinda's concern regarding the flossing of her teeth after the flaky skin visit at his head office. The wedding cake slip-up is another great conversation starter for all Belinkers, and I believe the seals of blue icing for wedding cakes have gone through the roof. Go figure. But perhaps the best of those is where we meet him first, in the muddy maze. And whilst he doesn't speak, the mental image of Belinda straining to satisfy him as she wonders if he's actually inside her has hit the spot, so to speak, for so many fans. 6. Toffee Apple Chew <laughs> This soul sister stallion romped into our hearts at the end of Book 4, Taki is a fierce fighter, but also a solemn companion during periods of mourning. Her empathy is at the rather high end of the equine spectrum, able to sense the joyous or sorrowful mood of the moment with precision. Sadly, she wasn't able to join the gang in Australia due to that country's strict quarantine regulations, and that FOMO may have been what led to her subsequent cider addiction. I'm not judging a girl. As for the implication at the state funeral that Toffee Apple Chew enjoyed Spooner riding her a little too much, I say a girl's got to take it where she can get it. <laughs> Rocky's comment. For those of you who don't already know, Taki, as she's happily known, is a horse. Okay, you may have guessed that since Sammy referred to a soul sister stallion, technically wrong Sammy, as a stallion in my farming world is a male and Taki is definitely female. This, of course, is why she's so good at having high levels of empathy. Most females the world over far outweigh the men in this trait. While she doesn't drink shards, I'm pretty certain she's taken care of the Duchess on many occasions when she's had one too many for the road or the jumping arena. Who else would have taken care of the Duchess the afternoon Belinda left her sprawling naked on the gravel outside Epsom Hall? Toffee Apple Chew certainly had her ears pricked for the return of her mistress, and what a state she was in. Those massive nipples would have been dragging on the ground as the pissed Duchess inched her way up the front steps to her bedrooms. Imagine the scene if Duke Clarence had discovered her slithering her way across the central wood-floored hall. 
It certainly wouldn't have been good for the staff, or her continued presence at MI6. No, instead, the faithful Tucky dragged her back to the stables, licked her clear of driveway dust, and let her sleep it off on a warm bed of hay, a true companion in a time of dire need. So, if you like the style of my podcast, then I'd like to get you the special gift for the Belinda Blinked farm in your life. I will record your message in the same style as my podcast, Rocky Finstone Unleashed. So... Hi, Jamie Morton. Rocky Flintstone here, just wishing you a very, very happy birthday. Enjoy your day and see you soon. Cheers! You can get this a great, unique present from my Etsy store, Rocky's Pavilion, all one word. Thank you for listening and have a great day. Ciao! Five. Herr Wolfgang Bisch. Is there a character in all of Dickens, Tolstoy, Zola or Shakespeare who can rival the unfiltered, unmitigated, utterly disgusting evil of Wolfie B? He's propelled by one of Jamie's most evocative voices, possesses an insatiable desire to have his employees murder one another and constantly emits a range of charming excretions. A dad of Bavarian cheeses and hams and sartreut will do that to you. Bish has no redeeming qualities whatsoever. Well, almost none. His tastefully decorated schlosh with its sex dungeon slides between stories and frescoes on the ceiling sounds like an ideal place to party. Book six opened the floodgates on this business her's backstory, revealing that he has been utterly dishonourable for decades. When he wasn't scheming to deprive our troops of their dietary fibre, he was hunting the globe for his stepneys with malevolent intent. I would have started looking where her parents lived, but that's just me. Herbish is in chains now, and there doesn't seem much chance he'll be able to acquire the millions of marks he would need to break himself free. Still, he casts a long shadow over the series. Really, Bish is a triumph of the imagination. A very sick imagination, to be clear but a triumph, nevertheless. Rocky's Comment Every good story needs a good baddie, and her bish is a good one. The James Godwin reveal a few pages ago shows just how twisted Bish really is. His brother Bernard Brogan isn't really far behind him, and we have still yet to assess the actions of Maeve, his young blood relative. Belinda, also being a relative of Bish, has somehow managed to avoid the malevolent genes lurking in the family tree. 
One has to wonder how long that situation can last, as she gets to grip with Bish's life's work, Bish Herstelung. If only Bish hadn't decided to blood the young Maeve so deeply into his mar that she too ended up in the clink. Maeve would have been a much more natural successor to the floundering behemoth, as she is truly a direct descendant. But of course, as we all now know, Bish's mind is too devious for straight thinking. His compulsive hatred of Sir James Godwin and his desire to steal the groundbreaking technology from Steele's led him down a path which ended in his very own destruction. But to be honest, it was touch and go. The recruitment of the special one from inside the steel inner circle was genius. Only a very last-minute change of heart by Giselle saved the day. Of course, his recruitment of George Sylvester was another deep swipe at the Steele's management tree. No one could ever have thought that Tony's long-disappeared brother would have been found by Bish and rescued from incarceration by a payment much reduced from the initial valuation of George's worth to his family. Yes, George was very close to Wolfgang Bish, but he was too much the criminal to ever inherit the Bish empire. In time, Bish saw through George's lying and made his biggest mistake, the placement of Maeve to replace Giselle. We know how it eventually played out with all Bish's associates ending up in the clink, no doubt being looked after by a jailman. God help us, it might just take a handful of Aussie dollars to engineer all their release and the baddies will be back in business. Who knows, but Bish will surely be long gone. Now, in his mid-nineties, death is surely just lurking around the next corner. 4. Des Martin, also known as Santa Claus, Papa Noel, etc. Part 1 If Bish is the most evil figure in literature, Des may be the most pathetic. Strangely, he was high-performing and seemingly debonair when Belinda arrived at the company. In the aftermath of her appearance on the scene, he totaled his car, lost his marriage, nearly quit his job, saw his manhood reduced to a frozen stub in a stationary cupboard, dedicated his weekends to wearing a full chauffeur outfit in order to ferry the boss around town, was violently injured in a car explosion. Oh, oh, sorry, it was only a surface wound, and released untold gallons of bodily fluid across London and the southeast. And all of this because of his boss's juicy pomegranates. Notice how, as soon as Belinda was removed from her job, if you're going to go missing, presumed dead, you have to face the consequences, he began a meteoric rise to the top again. Few novelists would choose to have their main character be the cause of a nice guy's total rack and ruin, which is a real marker of the level of commitment Rocky has to his work. It's why we all keep coming back, year after year. Year after gruelling year. Rocky's comment. Gruelling is a good word to describe Des Martin's love life. Well... Perhaps non-existent is a better one. Perhaps that's why he's the highest-placed male in these rankings. No mean feat, sexy Des. 
but he does seem to keep going against all the odds, and it's stamina and true grit like this that we should admire in the man. It also occurs to me that these are traits Belinda Blumenthal admires, and indeed has herself. Perhaps this is why she and Des do seem to retain their working relationship in this topsy-turvy world of big business deals and international travel. But we must never forget Des is the only Steele's employee who has actually worked for Bish Herstelung. And here is the story of his job interview. Des Morton blinked. The job interviewer had just asked him to remove his jacket and shirt. Des smiled deeply to himself. He'd been waiting for this moment all his life. With a hint of a tease, Des removed the offending garments, tossing them expertly onto an antique coat stand which was conveniently located in a corner of the interview room. The stand shook violently and gracefully fell over, throwing the garments back at Des. The job interviewer blinked. Des hastily got up from the white leather settee he was seated on and in the process knocked over his porcelain china cup of black coffee which he'd just been offered. The hot liquid splashed itself against the pristine white seat, burning its way into the delicate leather surface. Not knowing which way to turn, a flustered Des took a somewhat unwashed grey handkerchief from deep down in his trouser pocket. He anxiously mopped the burning coffee off the leather, leaving an unhealthy green slime in its place. Unable to do anything better with the coffee-sodden hanky, Des turned his attention to the coat stand. He jumped up and grabbed the still-vibrating rustic metal antique, placing it back into its original corner. He skilfully smoothed down his rehung jacket and shirt, wiped the accumulating sweat from his forehead and dark hairy chest and returned to the settee. Des was no fool and placed his trouser-clad ass over the green slime stain, hiding it temporarily from the job interviewer's incredulous view. Des leant back, took a deep breath and said, Now, where were we? The interviewer coughed and said, We weren't, I was only getting started. But if you insist, would you remove your shoes, socks and trousers? Des grinned and thought this was something he could do. Indeed, Des reckoned he could become an expert at this sort of answer. He calmly stood up and kicked off his shiny black shoes, carefully directing them with some venom at the coat stand. He pulled off his socks and unzipped his trousers. With a meaningful flourish, he pulled them down whilst keeping eye contact with the interviewer. Des skillfully threw them once again at the coat stand. This time, the trousers caught a hook and the socks fell gracefully to the ground, settling over his shoes. Now standing resplendent, legs apart in his skimpy black thong, Des waited for the next question. My name is Valerie Bish. Mr. Martin, and I want to assure you that if you are successful in, in this job application, you will be reporting directly to me. As your UK sales director, I want you to know that I am only interested in working with dedicated employees who will go to the next step in clinching any sale. I repeat, going to the next step. Do you fully understand? 
Des smiled and confidently replied, Yes, bitch. Sorry, Miss Bitch. Yes, sorry, yes. I, I fully understand. Do not call me bitch again, bitch, as she glared at him. To be continued. Four. Des Martin, also known as Santa Claus, Papa Noel, etc. Part 2. Valerie put the paperwork she was holding in her delicately manicured hands onto the desk and stood up. The extremely attractive brunette put her hands behind her head and unloosed her hair. It majestically fell down over her shoulders, giving Des a thrill of desire through his steadily rising cock. Miss Bish smiled inwardly to herself, noting the increasing area of pale skin under the bulge in Des's skimpy thong. Valerie unbuttoned the top button of her pristine white blouse. Des bulged further. Valerie unfastened another button. Des bulged out of his thong. Free at last, his cock blinked at its new surrounding. One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a t-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your health care. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable, too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Valerie Bish ripped the last few buttons off her blouse, unable to control herself any longer. They pinged and flew straight into Des Martin's eyes. He yelped in pain and fell back onto the leather settee. Out of control, Des's thong slipped down his slender frame, ending up around his legs, effectively tripping him up. The imported East Berlin settee groaned, its rear legs crumpled, toppling Des onto the luxuriously carpeted floor. A loudly yelping and blinded Des thrashed around, trying to regain his balance and composure. He needn't have bothered, as Miss Bish had everything under control. Stepping around the fatally wounded white leather settee, she placed her six-inch heel onto his foot. Des felt the cold steel make contact with his writhing toes. His cock jumped in anticipation of greater things, as Miss Bish stood over his splayed legs and arms and removed her remaining garments. Naked, except for her stilettos, Valerie kicked Des's ass and shouted, You will shut up. Are you a man or is a mouse? Des's yelping decreased to one of whimpering. He'd never in all his wildest dreams anticipated this scenario. He decided to let his cock do the talking and shut up. So good, Mr. Martin. Viva makes the East Berliner of you yet. Now, let's get down to some real business. Miss Bish lowered herself onto Des's rampant cock and started to corkscrew her body into his. 
Des groaned in appreciation, whilst Valerie moaned in anticipation. Reasonably happy with her deep penetration of Des's cock, Valerie started to slowly stimulate her clitoris with her right hand's forefinger. Meanwhile, Des had grabbed her ass with his two hands. His vision was now returning, and he looked deeply into Valerie Bish's eyes. He saw desire, ruthlessness and cruelty in the dirty yellow pool of fluorescent light lying behind her orange-tinted contact lenses. Des gulped and helped her ass fuck him even harder. After a short but satisfactory period, where Miss Bish had orgasmed twice, she groggily stood up and went back to her desk. With East Berliner efficiency, she gathered up the papers and tapped them into a neat bunch. She scrawled her signature across the top and addressed Des once again. Sit back on the seat, Herr Martin, or perhaps I call you Sexy Des. Des smiled as he got to his knees and crawled to the destroyed white leather settee, dripping bodily fluids from Valerie's vagina and his own cock onto the expensively carpeted floor. He sat as best he could on the busted piece of furniture, trying to look professional, if still naked. Valerie continued, I like your resilience under the pressure, sexy Des, so I'm going to offer you the job. Eighty thousand of your English pounds plus black East German Skoda car and perks. The perks are only negotiable with me, so wait for me in the lobby and we shall go for drinks, dinner, and as you English call it, the hanky-panky to celebrate your success. Yes, sexy Des blinked. Three, Isabella Candida Donna Ridley. Part one. You either love Bella or you secretly love Bella. There are no other options. Her trademark voice was the first to emerge fully formed from Jamie's mouth during book two and seems to have been the catalyst for the array of accents, dialects and unusual utterances we've heard since. An errant Jim Henson puppet, Alice once called her, and truer words were never spoken. A full-figured gal and proud of it, Bella Ridley is a loyal friend and faithful bodyguard. She'll never not have her eye on your backside. What she lacks in brains, she sure makes up for in enthusiasm. When Bella's not sleeping her way to the top of the career ladder at literally incredible speed, she divides her time between splurging on thoroughly unnecessary impulse purchases performing Dickensian carol concerts, managing the fan club for an Australian TV chef, going bankrupt in Monopoly, drinking Chardonnay until she can barely speak, even less so than usual, miraculously recovering from comas, binging on McMassive meal deals with extra cheese string salsa, philosophising about testicles and, of course, indulging in her favourite pastime, telly. In other words, she's a prototypical millennial. There may be cloudy times ahead for Miss Ridley, given her best friend and mentor has just left Steeles for their biggest competitor, but I'm sure this will only add further layers to a personality already as complex as an all-day breakfast lasagna. Long may she live. Just don't leave her in charge of the key cards. Rocky's comment. Donna as I lovingly like to call Bella after my monumental cock-up at the very start of book one. 
Well, truth be told, I was testing you all out, and top marks to the team for catching me out. And Jamie's story is true. We did discuss my error on the top of a double-decker red London bus on our way to the Queen's Tennis Club to watch a hopeful Andy Murray, amongst others. What a great day out. I did particularly well at the Moy and Chandon tennis tournament virtual game, and that was before I had the shards. But back to Bella, and here's how she got onto the glee team. Essentially, where it all started for her. A fewish years ago. Bella, stop yawning. Bella Candida Ridley sat upright. The warm June sun glinted through the classroom windows, enticing her back to a gentle slumber with just the hint of a snore. That was her undoing. She shook her head, letting her long golden tresses fall around her shapely body, and tried to concentrate on the useless lesson she was currently attending as she had just completed her last exams. It was no good. Her heart wasn't in it. She needed to find a job with career prospects and get out of this dump. Besides, who could afford university these days with all those loans? Bella folded her arms on the desk and put her head down. She needed a 30-minute kip before she went back to her temporary night job at the casino, and now was the best opportunity she'd get all day. The bell rang. Bella picked up her things and left school. Forever. There was no way she was ever going back. Bella sauntered her way home. Mum and Dad lived. No, existed in an old pub in Bow, East London. Some people thought it rough, but to Bella it was home. But what to do, she thought. Entering the sixth form at school had been an easy transition. It really just sort of happened. Her grades were good, if not excellent, so it was the obvious path. But that lazy warm day in mid-June shouted out, No! Get a proper job. Make the money. Live your life. Miss B.C. Ridley, the grey-haired receptionist, nodded at her across the foyer, pushing her bifocals down her nose. Miss de Klotz, we'll see you now. Just walk up one flight and go into the leather room on the right. Bella nodded, picked up her linen tote bag and went upstairs. This was exciting, an interview at Steele's Pots and Pans. Whatever next? A thinnish, leggy blonde with tits to die for stuck her half-shaven head out of an office doorway. Ridley, Bella, Canada, with two Ds, follow me. Bella blinked. Shh! The clots wagged her ass at Bella as she strutted down the corridor. Bella was intrigued. The sexy lady disappeared through a grey, heavyish-looking doorway, waving a finger for Bella to follow. She did, though, to be honest, it took a bit of strength to move the door. Perhaps it was a sophisticated health checkup with sensors attached to the door frame and hinges, measuring her internal mass, heart rate, cholesterol levels, body weight and athleticism all in one subtle second. Bella was sure she'd pass. She hadn't been athletic sports champion three years in a row for nothing. Sit down, the clots instructed. Feeling a bit hot? Well, relax. Just remove your jacket whilst I get us some sparkling water. Bella relaxed onto the leather settee, thinking, I could get used to this sort of life. 3. Isabella Candida Donna Ridley Part 2 
Bella blinked. Giselle Marskashwald de Klotz had just asked her to remove her blouse and skirt. Bella smiled in a quizzical sort of way, but immediately did as she was requested. She was proud of her body, and her matching skin-tight bikini-style briefs and brassiere showed it off at its best. Bella then started to slightly sweat as her bare skin encompassed the leather settee, and the interviewer's questions became more personal. "'How many times a week do you have sex, Miss Ridley?' "'Are you comfortable with by workmates, Miss Ridley?' "'How often do you wear a thong apart from weekends, Miss Ridley?' Bella strolled through the questionable questions as best she could, and found that honesty was the best way to reply. Well, Miss Ridley, the interviewer said at last, I'd like to offer you the job as receptionist, and if you accept, I'd like to stage a role-play regarding the possible extent of your duties here at Steele's Pots and Pans. Bella screamed in excitement. She'd done it. She'd gotten her first job. She was now on her way to becoming a, a captain of industry possibly even M.D. of Steel's Pots and Pans. The world was her oyster. Yes, yes, and yes, she screamed at Giselle, jumping up and down in her semi-undressed state. Good, replied a smiling Giselle. Now, let's get on with your first role play. Remove those undergarments. Bella blinked. Minutes later, Giselle, too, was naked, and started to handle Bella's tits, twisting her nipples as hard as she could. Bella groaned. This was way better than senior school. A shower with the other girls after soccer practice was a tamer for her when compared with this blonde bombshell's skills. But Bella was a shrewd cookie, and she hadn't grown up in East London without learning a few tricks of her own. While Giselle was destroying her tits, Bella's hands went to work on Giselle's clitoris. She started slowly vibrating it, and gently applied more and more pressure until Giselle started to moan deeply. A couple of quick slaps saw Giselle squirt all over the fancy drinks cabinet standing to one side of the room. Oh dear, Bella thought, just as well I'm not going for a cleaner's job. At that moment, a tallish chap pushed his head around the closed office door. Ahem, <clears throat> he interjected. I presume the interview went well, Miss Mashakawal to the clots. Giselle quickly came back to her senses and exclaimed, Tony! Why, yes, meet Bella Ridley, our new receptionist, as of today. Tony walked over and shook Bella's slippery hand. He then gleefully licked it dry and said, Welcome aboard, Bella. I'm Tony, the MD. Glad to see Giselle is getting your training started early. Bella blushed and thought for the first time what she was getting herself into. Thank you, sir, she replied. Please don't call me sir, Bella, Tony chuckled. Leave that for our chief exec, Sir James Godwin. Oh, by the way, Giselle, he's called me to a meeting at the Pentra. Join us when you've wrapped up this interview. Tony winked at Bella and left the room. Bella blinked. It didn't take Giselle long to get back into her stride, and this time she pushed Bella onto the leather settee, opening her long slender legs as wide as they'd go, and greedily sucking her shaven vagina with gusto. Bella could only shriek in delight as Giselle continued to ravage her, happy in the knowledge that whatever this job didn't have, she would learn to love her bosses. Eventually, Giselle had had her fill of Bella's juices and reversed the scenario. Bella was well and truly sighted, but found herself really up for the opportunity Giselle now presented her with. Her tongue flicked and licked Giselle's clitoris, sending her into ecstasy. 
The shrieks of satisfaction spurred Bella on, and by the end of her, her session she'd reduced Giselle to a sopping mess of sweat and vaginal liquids. Surely, Bella thought, she was in no state to join a meeting with her M.D. and chief exec in the next half hour. Giselle and Bella redressed casually, discussing Bella's more mundane duties at Steel's Pots and Pans. She would start next week, and after an induction period of two weeks, the exiting receptionist would retire, leaving Bella in charge. Wow, Bella thought, how exciting. This surely beats the sick form. Little did she then know that naivety of these words, but Bella Ridley was a fast learner and Giselle Machakowald de Klotz, a good teacher. Three weeks later, Bella arrived at work and sat down in her reception area. Today was her first day in charge. A prime duty was to welcome members of staff by name as they walked through the foyer on their way to their offices. "'Morning, Mr. Thompson.' "'Morning, Bella,' replied Beaming Jim. "'Enjoy your first day in charge. "'Oh, I nearly forgot. "'Here's a little present for you.' Jim passed the small and nicely packaged package to Bella and went off whistling to his office. Intrigued, Bella quickly opened the wrapping and took out a petite black thong. Bella blinked. "'Was Jim into her?' And she's really not stopped blinking since, and no, Jim was under Belinda's orders, for the time being anyways. Indeed, Bella blinked so much she eventually took over the running of the sales team. Her love of the job quickly developed her addiction to English sparkling wine and the odd bottle of champagne, never cava and definitely not Prosecco. Her savvy pub-owning parents were too smart to let her get attracted to the cheap stuff. And that showed when she joined Belinda on their Saturday morning trip to Foster's of Knightsbridge. The three or four complimentary bottles of champagne which she necked back certainly oiled the purchase of her basic horse-jumping kit. Indeed, I wonder if Foster's actually turned a profit on that sale. As always, her boss, Belinda, made them a handsome profit, and show-jumping was never really the same after. Pity. So there you have it, the first few days an innocent Bella Ridley was initiated into Steele's Pots and Pans. Not so many weeks later, she was to meet her newest friend, Belinda Blumenthal, and that's now all history. So... If you like the style of my podcast, then I'd like to get you the special gift. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 
it. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. For the Belinda Blinked fan in your life, I will record your message in the same style as my podcast, Rocky Finston Unleashed. So... Hi, Jamie Morton. Rocky Flintstone here, just wishing you a very, very happy birthday. Enjoy your day and see you soon. Cheers! You can get this a great, unique present from my Etsy store, Rocky's Pavilion, all one word. Thank you for listening and have a great day. Ciao!